For the past few weeks, I've been working on a dramatized version of Lord of the World by Monsignor Robert Hugh Benson, one of my favorite novels. I think one of the best novels written in the past century or so. It's unabridged, and due to that length, I'll have to post it in parts on my Patreon. But here I present to you just a few clips of the book to see if you might be interested. And if so, please become a member at patreon.com. Of course, it's a paid membership, but if you want access to the book, you can be a member as long as it takes to listen to the book and then cancel if you'd like. I totally understand. Though I will continue to do more projects like this on my Patreon, so I'd appreciate your support. This book, Lord of the World, was written in 1907, and it tells the story of the rise of a compelling world figure who seems to unite all of the world under his will, and he makes promises of peace and unity, but of course, without Christ. So this leads to a final conflict that we expect at the end of the age, and it's dramatized, I think, beautifully in this book by Monsignor Robert Hugh Benson, and hopefully this book will be edifying and entertaining for you. So here again are just a few short clips presented for a bit of a preview. And the whole thing is available, at least the first book is uploaded now, and the rest will be uploaded shortly at patreon.com slash catholicdailybrief. Lord of the World by Robert Hugh Benson He was a pleasant-looking man, not much over thirty years old, black, wire-haired, clean-shaven, thin, virile, magnetic, blue-eyed, and white-skinned, and he appeared this day extremely content with himself and the world. His lips moved slightly as he worked, his eyes enlarged and diminished with excitement, and more than once he paused and stared out again, smiling and flushed. Then a door opened. A middle-aged man came nervously in with a bundle of papers, laid them down on the table without a word, and turned to go out. Oliver lifted his hand for attention, snapped a lever, and spoke. "'Well, Mr. Phillips,' he said. "'There is news from the East, sir,' said the secretary. Oliver shot a glance sideways and laid his hand on the bundle. "'Any complete message?' he asked. "'No, sir. It is interrupted again. Mr. Felsenberg's name is mentioned.' Oliver did not seem to hear. He lifted the flimsy printed sheets with a sudden movement and began turning them. "'The fourth from the top, Mr. Brand.' said the secretary. Oliver jerked his head impatiently, and the other went out as if at a signal. High on the central deck there stood a chair, draped too in white, with some insignia visible above its back, and in the chair sat the figure of the man, motionless and lonely. He made no sign as he came. His dark dress showed vividly against the whiteness. His head was raised, and he turned it gently now and again from side to side. It came nearer still, in the profound stillness. The head turned, and for an instant the face was plainly visible in the soft, radiant light. It was a pale face, strongly marked as of a young man, with arched black eyebrows, thin lips, and white hair. Then the face turned once more, the steersman shifted his head, and the beautiful shape, wheeling a little, passed the corner and moved up towards the palace. There was an hysterical yelp somewhere, a cry, and again the tempestuous groan broke out. It was yet more kindling as the Mass went on, and he saw the male sovereigns come down to do their services at the altar, and to go to and fro between it and the throne. There they went bareheaded, the stately silent figures. The English king, once again Fidei Defensor, bore the train in place of the old king of Spain, who, with the Austrian emperor, 
alone of all European sovereigns, had preserved the unbroken continuity of faith. The old man leaned over his fallen stool, mumbling and weeping, even crying out now and again in love and devotion as, like Simeon, he saw his salvation. I heard that Felsenberg is a mason, observed Monsignor Mackintosh, the cathedral administrator, a grand master or something. But who is Felsenberg? put in a young priest. Monsignor pursed his lips and shook his head. He was one of those humble persons as proud of ignorance as others are of knowledge. He boasted that he never read the papers nor any book except those that had received the imprimatur. It was a priest's business, he often remarked, to preserve the faith, not to acquire worldly knowledge. Percy had occasionally rather envied his point of view. He's a mystery, said another priest, Father Blackmore, but he seems to be causing great excitement. They were selling his life today on the embankment. I met an American senator, put in Percy, three days ago, who told me that even there they know nothing of him, except his extraordinary eloquence. He only appeared last year, and seems to have carried everything before him by quite unusual methods. He is a great linguist, too. That is why they took him to Irkutsk. Well, the Masons, went on Monsignor, it is very serious. In the last month, four of my penitents have left me because of it. Their inclusion of women was their masterstroke, growled Father Blackmore, helping himself to claret. It is extraordinary that they hesitated so long about that, observed Percy. A couple of the others added their evidence. It appeared that they too had lost penitence lately through the spread of masonry. It was rumored that a pastoral was a preparing upstairs on the subject. Monsignor shook his head ominously. More is wanted than that, he said. Percy pointed out that the church had said her last word several centuries ago. She had laid her excommunication on all members of secret societies, and there was really no more that she could do. Except bring it before her children again and again, put in Monsignor. I shall preach on it next Sunday. There was a sharp crack, and the tiny gesticulating figure staggered back a step. The old man at the table was up in a moment, and simultaneously a violent commotion bubbled and heaved like water about a rock at a point in the crowd immediately outside the railed space where the bands were massed, and directly opposite the front of the platform. Mrs. Brand, bewildered and dazed, found herself standing up, clutching the window rail, while the girl gripped her, crying out something she could not understand. A great roaring filled the square, the heads tossed this way and that like corn under a squall of wind.